Good evening, all you creatures of the night. Are we alone? The question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. Is there any other alien species out there in the vast abyss of the universe? We do not know if they will be friend or foe, or maybe if they could even communicate with us. While we have all pondered this question, we may have never thought how we would react if one day a new life form came to Earth. Life always has its reasons. Motives are purely universal, and monsters are in the eye of the beholder. This is It Records. And I am Matt Johnson, as always, joined with my fantastic co-host and star of the show. Oh, star of the show. Thank you. Star um, of the show. Peter Hansen, by the way. <laughs> and this week, uh, we watched the film Monsters, the 2010 film Monsters by Gareth Edwards. Uh, this was Pete's choice, and with that, Pete, can you tell us what is the creepy headline of this week? It's uh, funny you ask, because it goes a little bit with aliens, a little bit uh, of the truth is out there, if uh, if I will. Oh, uh, okay. So the truth is out there. Let's, uh, let's just start it off by saying that two FBI ag- agents, let's call them Fox and Dana for shits and giggles. Uh, <laughs> They investigate the death of Maria, an illegal immigrant from Mexico living in San Juan Valley, I don't know how to say that, uh, who was mm-hmm. found dead with her face partially eaten away after a yellow wing fell from the sky. Maria was the object of the love of two brothers, Alario and Soledad. Soledad blames his brother for her death. The migrants believe that the Chupacabra was responsible for her death. Ooh. What? Dana eventually discovers that Maria was killed by a fungal growth known as Aspillergillus. Don't don't quote me on that pronunciation. Alario <laughs> <laughs> becomes infected from the fungus and returns to the camp where Maria died. Soledad wants to kill his brother, but can't do it. He accidentally kills another man. So Soledad becomes a carrier of the growth and flees with his brother towards Mexico. Jesus, man. That's an intense story. Uh, just in case you're wondering, that is a, mm-hmm. a fictional story. <laughs> oh, it's a fictional creepy headline. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's actually uh, a plot summary of a TV show <laughs> by a, a, a little show called uh, X-Files. If, I think I'm familiar with that show. If anyone was wondering by my subtle references. To, to Fox, yeah. If they, were, if they weren't... Uh, Two on the nose. <laughs> well, speaking of X Files, they're, uh, I believe, I don't know if it's official, but I heard yesterday that they're getting another another season. Which uh, is, I did hear about ahead. talks for yeah. another go, and I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. No, I'm in. I'm all in. Any, I, I haven't seen every single episode. I've seen my fair share, but keep them coming is what I say. That's my motto with the X Files. So, thank you for your creepy headline, Pete. As always, they are riveting, and they are enjoyable. I appreciate them. I look forward to them every week. But we're talking monsters this week, everybody. And this film came out in 2010, and it goes a little something like this. Six years after Earth has suffered an alien invasion, a NASA probe coming back into Earth's orbit crashed in central Mexico. 
And after that alien invasion, a cynical journalist agrees to escort a shaken American tourist through the infected zone, which is Central America, where the probe landed, and tries to get her to the safety of the U.S. border. So there you have it. Set in somewhat the not-too-distant future. Aliens are on Earth, Pete. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as I was saying, I, I had never even heard of this movie, Pete, before this week. How, how did you come up on it? That's a really good question. Um, I want to say it was definitely recommended by a friend of mine. I think it was because I was really excited about Godzilla coming out in 2014. I was mm-hmm. a huge Godzilla fan when I was growing up. And Gareth Edwards also directed that. And I think my friend is like, oh, you should watch his first movie. He he also made a monster movie, but on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. So it was on my... It's been on my to watch list for since 2014 <laughs> mm. and this was my first go at it actually i put it off for two years mm-hmm. no it's pretty crazy and he i mean he he directed this one he also directed the godzilla the godzilla he directed godzilla um but he wrote this one too this one was his his work this is his baby um his poster child yeah he he put a lot of heart and soul into this one because when I found out that he did the special effects himself, I was just like, "Yeah, I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> you're like, why are you so talented? <laughs> yeah, a royal fuck you. You wrote this, you directed it, and he did all the special effects from his laptop. Um, yeah, in his, his apartment. Bedroom. Yeah, like, yeah. what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And for those who haven't seen it, I mean, it's a monster movie. So special effect, special effects play a large portion of of the movie, or at least you have to make the special effects believable, so that it doesn't look like some hokey B movie sort of weird creature. They're pretty badass, I'd have to say. They're not perfect, but for doing it in your laptop, kudos, Mister Mister Edwards. And there's like a few other scenes too that I like. I feel like had to be CGI, like the tank for sure. I don't know. I was always like, "Is that tank CGI? Like, how did they, how did they get all this military equipment for under, under half, like about half a million dollars? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, no, trying to th- I was trying to think how it was this possible. <laughs> it had to be all CGI because I mean, there was even like uh, a blown up, uh, a half exploded. Pl- a pl- there was a plane in the, in the water when they were on the boat. That's clearly CGI. I mean, he made special effects for it. Because there's no way they're getting that stuff for under $500,000, which was insane. Um, yeah. And the, going with that, the movie was shot in a three-week period in five different countries, mostly um, without permission to film in those countries. Yeah, they uh, that's called, like, guerrilla-style filmmaking where mm-hmm. they just do it very – that's a very – I feel like a lot of horror movies do that <laughs> just to keep the budget down. Yeah. And and to keep the budget down, they also when they were in these certain countries, any of the extras, there's two main characters that that you follow throughout the entire film. Um but the rest of the extras that they talked to were locals on yeah, site. Yeah, on the like, oh, hey, we're shooting a movie. You you want to you want to be in it? <laughs> <laughs> And we got some we got some dollars we can throw at you if you just 
say a few lines. And they, and I also heard that the, the lines that the the locals and the extras they had were all improvised. Um, he didn't give them scripts. I mean, the two main characters had scripts, but then the others could improvise what they wanted to say. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot of room for improvisation because even I think even sometimes the actors were just like, "Oh, here's a general outline of what's happening," just because uh, they're they're married couple now, but at the time they were dating. So you mm. know, you could like, I think that was a good idea because you could believe the chemistry right away because you know they're in love in real life. You know, it's easy to do that on screen. I feel like. True. Yes, I concur. Go ahead, Pete. I was going to say, um, I think another way of they cut costs, you know, we, were kind of, we were kind of talking about it before the recording, was that the only thing I could think of is that if these two main actors were given, like, the minimum, like, Screen Actors Guild, like, wage. Right, they had to be paid fairly low. Yeah, so I feel like they probably just, like, wanted to work with them because I, I feel like they weren't really doing a whole lot then so it makes sense how they were mm. he got away with like you know the bare minimum because like that's something mm-hmm. that makes sense to me that how yeah by I feel like the most cost was probably on the program he made f- for you know for the for the monsters and probably like pl- absolutely plane tickets for to go to these different countries <laughs> yeah yeah, because, I mean, they didn't ask for permission when they were in the countries. Uh, he did it all himself. The extras uh, were all local. So, yeah, it had to be on the special effects, most of the money. But you were talking about paying the actors minimum, the minimum amount. Um, one of the main the main protagonists, male, is, is Scoot McNary. I don't know if people know that name just by hearing it. But um, he's pretty – he's been in a lot of famous movies recently. Maybe not in 2010, but he was an Argo, uh, 12 Years a Slave, Killing Them Softly. Uh, what other ones do we we found? Um, uh, was, let me look because I literally forgot. <laughs> nah, nah, I've seen him. So, oh, oh, Herbie Fully Loaded. That was something he was in. Yeah, that, that one's a keeper. <laughs> that was. I hope that wasn't the one. Oh, Frank he was in, which is with Michael Fassbender. He's in nonstop, which is yeah, pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as Pete and I had deduced, it was probably during. I mean, he was in a lot of TV shows and, and supporting roles. Uh, this I think was one of his first breaks as a lead a lead role in a movie, and it took off. This movie got a lot of a lot of positive reviews, and, and I was wondering, Pete, what you thought of that because it's it's a low budget film, horror film, sci fi monster movie. But I guess I'll, I'll I'll start that with for the viewer. It's not your typical monster movie. It's not like Cloverfield where everything's kind of in your face and there's a lot of deaths going on that you see. It seems more that's in the background. So what do you think really drew people to this movie and its positive criticism? I think with the – I'm just going to go with your comparison with first yeah. uh, with Cloverfield mm-hmm. where I think Cloverfield, like you said, was in your face, but they – they try to present it as in the background because they give you very small glimpses of the monster. But since they had such a big budget, it just felt like everything was around the events of the monster. Whereas for this movie monsters, the events mm-hmm. were like really around like their relationship between the man and the woman and how it like 
grew and like the monsters were just like something they were like oh shit this kind of sucks but these aliens have been here for six years so it's like you know it's just the season for the monsters to strike Mm-hmm. no i agree with that um totally i think that's that's the draw of it and if i can um an article that was given to us by by Lindsay, um it's a den of geeks article and talking with the director um something i found is in most sci-fi movies what you see is kind of in cloverfield where it's about the monster and it's the onslaught but with this movie what you get is all the sci-fi elements are in the backdrop on what you get in more sci-fi literature and it deals with not so much the science fiction, but how the characters are um, reacting to that, um, how how they are dealing with it, and it's not supposed to be extraordinary, but how you would react in those situations, um, and you want to see how people would would engage there. And I think that I I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. I thought I found it very refreshing with this film. I would say my only complaint for right now was is like some dialogue between the couple um because i just feel i feel like the improvisation from the extras was great because it's such small amounts and i feel like they had more time to like kind of prepare what they were going to say because they're only in like one or two scenes so they're like oh i'm going to make it good like as an example like there's a guy uh, like a gorilla fighter who's retelling his experience of seeing a monster and he's saying, oh, it's over 100 feet tall. But he's actually talking about an encounter a relative had with a UFO, is what he's saying, apparently, in Spanish. Okay. So I thought that was, you know... That's interesting. That he's just like, he's like, you know, I just imagine he's all excited to be in a movie. He's just like, I'm going to tell about <laughs> my brother yeah. or my cousin, whoever his relative was, about his UFO mm-hmm. encounter. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll change the dialogue to fit the script later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Whereas uh, the main characters, you know, sometimes the dialogue, it it just felt odd. A couple points. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, like, I feel like if there was, like, a strong script, it could have been really amazing. Where, like, it was still good, but I feel like if it had a strong script, it would have been fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I would get on board for that. I'm trying to think of a specific instance, but there was some cringeworthy, I guess, in ca- dialogues between the two of them that just seemed too far fetched. Not far fetched, I guess, but it just it just seemed uh, off kilter. Um, I think it's just maybe it's just hard to improv. You know, I just think some people can mm-hmm. do it, some people can't, and I think, I mean, they were probably able to practice a lot and able to get one of the better stuff. You know, on other takes but you know that that probably wasn't always the case Mm -hmm. true it's a it's a tough job pete Mm. speaking of this is a monster film it's it's called monsters um kind of puts it right out there for you um they're kind of been the backdrop the whole time but then you see them towards the end and scatterings here and there what did you think of them pete what did you think of the design or the way they looked? At first, I thought there were, like, more than one design because I remember only seeing, like, an octopus-like creature in the beginning with, like, an airstrike. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, I thought this movie was going to be very, 
limited showing of the monsters, and this is how it opens up. This is yeah, know, opening like, scene. It's a huge like, thing. This is awesome. <laughs> and then you know, and then they were building up stuff with the character with the two main leads, which I thought was good. So I was like, oh, if they have that mm-hmm. and more shit like that, this movie is gonna be fucking yeah. good. But it mm-hmm. that's where it disappointed me. Whereas. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was good that I wanted more from the monsters, but I just feel like I just want to know. I just wanted to know more, and I know there's a sequel, but uh, I feel like yeah. since it's not done by Gareth Edwards, it's probably pretty shitty. I'm just gonna. I'm not just a str- gonna yeah. Just assume. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. Came out. Yeah. Not too long. 2014 when he was yeah, doing Godzilla. I, Mm-hmm. The poster just looked bad, so I was just like, "Ooh, there's, mm-hmm. this can't be good." <laughs> Maybe if there's yeah. like, I'm watching a movie at midnight on Netflix <laughs> when I'm bored or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Pete, you mentioned the monsters at the beginning. Like you saw, like we see them from the from the get go, um, with these military trucks coming in and tanks. Did you pick up on? Um, the beginning and the ending of this movie did you catch something I guess what I'm saying is from the first shot to the last shot a connecting feature I only know that from the IMDB trivia page but I did not pick up on it okay mm-hmm. yeah um, I mean I don't know the f- you you read it um, this, this might be a spoiler alert because I'm going to ask you questions since you read up on this but what I got from the beginning was they're going in the guys whistling some tune I think it's the the rise, the yeah, rise of the he does. Yeah, he does do that. That da 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 da, da. Uh, and then the monster attacks. Cut away at the end when they're getting rescued and the tanks are coming in. It looks like the same tanks, and you hear someone humming that tune. So to me, I'm thinking they're getting rescued, but they're gonna go straight into their, yeah. their doom into yeah. the monster. Is that what was kind of? What was told yeah, in the IMDb which page. I actually did not pick up on watching the movie. I think I didn't make the connection because I, did he sing "Ride of the Valkyries" in the beginning? Because I don't remember that. Yeah, it's like when the credits are coming in. Um, before you even see anybody here, you hear someone humming that, and then it shows them, and the guy's like, "That's my theme song. Everyone should have a theme song." And the guys are like, "Oh yeah," and. The, I don't know what mine would be, and then boom, the monster's on top of like that billboard, <laughs> right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I get penalized okay. for not paying uh, enough attention. <laughs> I took notes, Pete. I was rewinding. No, no, I just the note the the song stuck with me because there wasn't much music in this film. That's fair. It was pretty pretty quiet. All of it was within the film. Any of the noises was in the film. It wasn't much music. Um, and speaking of the monsters, Pete, you said it was cool that you saw it at the beginning. At any point, though, this is a sci-fi horror film. Were you really scared? I want to get that reaction from you. Were you were you generally terrified at any point? I think there was a couple moments where I was expecting to feel terror, where they kind of like got me to they goaded me a little bit, but like uh, over yeah, a, lo- a loot and yeah. bus, if you will. A loot and bust from the past podcast. Um, there was like a really like a kind of like a long scene on the wall with like a helicopter kind of like looming around the gate 
where the monsters are known to attack and I was just like fucking monster's gonna come out right <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like oh no nothing happened <laughs> yep just kind of deflated that tension real quick mm-hmm. well that was my kind of similar feelings with it is it did goat me several times and I was expecting it it's a monster film but it just kind of uh, again they were in the backdrop There was I was never really I didn't feel terrified with this film even though it is a sci-fi horror. <sighs> I think it was like something that was, it kind of immersed yourself in, in its universe pretty well because of how, how definitely it took on this role of like how the, everyone sees this as just an everyday thing almost, even though I guess mm-hmm. not every day since it's like a seasonal kind of thing, but it's something they're used to. And they're just like, Oh here comes the United States again with the bombing. Yeah. And then the like the Mexican guerrilla fighters are like, yeah, you know, if you didn't bomb them, they wouldn't even be that pissed off. They'd just leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, which is a good point. Um, which also, if I can bring it up now, um, was starting to make sort of an extension of, I thought, the theme of the movie, um, which was, I thought extremely political talking about the Mexican-American border and immigration because it happens right on the border of the U.S. and Mexico. They build a wall. It's this infected zone. And they're talking about basically, as you said, if you didn't mess with them, there wouldn't be a problem. There wouldn't be this animosity. That goes on and on and on throughout. But Pete informed me, I'm doing some research, that was not an intention of the writer of Gareth Edwards. No, it was completely all unintentional. I think it probably just came... Probably because of the extras, um, um, are able to improv their line, and they're like, "Hmm, maybe they were able to get say their piece about it." I don't know. That's where I maybe think how it was able to form is the only way I could see it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you said maybe he he didn't really have an an idea either because he's 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 English. He's not American, so maybe he didn't understand the political tension so much, but. It just was it just me? It, it seemed like it was oh, hitting you over the head over and over. I thought it was very apparent. <laughs> okay, it wasn't no, just it me. It was just like, come on! Uh, it was just like, here showed you a map, of, showed you a map of Mexico and United States, established mm-hmm. in 2011. Yeah. That little map you see for like two seconds, and then you just see the infected mm-hmm. zone between the two countries, and you're like, oh, you know, it's <laughs> it feels very it feels yeah. very enforced or not not implied it seems like it's like almost the main thing in the movie yeah um and that was my take on it i felt like it was disguising itself as this sci-fi horror film that's why i wasn't so jumpy to try to get this message across but that just blows my mind that that was a compl- not even a thought of the writer or the director it could be like um like unintentional writing you know what I mean? Like, I feel like when you write something about a certain topic, you kind of, like, subconsciously, like, have those elements in there without realizing it. I mean, I, f- mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like that makes sense to you because you're a writer and I know you've... Oh, well, well, thanks, Pete. I, I try. <laughs> you've written scripts in the past. <laughs> you know, I had to write scripts for, like, class and shit and I wanted to write more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... I feel like... I've been yeah. accustomed to it as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I've done that too in writing. Um, 
you're kind of you're developing a story and it's kind of just flowing through you and you you don't even realize like what the what really your intention your subliminal intention is um, until you like actually take a step back and look at it which could have definitely been what what he was doing with his with his work of monsters um, and P, I, did you read up any on on the inception of this movie on on the what of the movie his the inception I guess his idea for it Gareth um, Edwards. I didn't get to read about it, but I do. I could bring up the video where Gareth Edwards talks about like the making of the movie, and I know he touches oh. on it. But um, I want to see what you say before we we would pull up the clip. No. Yeah, that'd be great because uh, he can explain it better. But I was just reading that he came up with the idea when he was when he was with a fisherman um, in in Central America, and they were fishing clearly, and they were. They were attempting to pull in some fish with the net, and he thought, wouldn't it be a cool idea if, like, a creature was pulled out of the net at us? And then he pitched that idea to the film studio, and they bought it. I don't know if there's anything more detailed to that, because I don't know if a studio would just buy it off that premise. But maybe he'll he'll give us something more about his making of the film. I know that um, you look like you want to say something. <laughs> no, 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 Pete. Go uh, ahead, please. I feel like they probably paid him for like yeah I think you can pay people for concepts like you don't pay them as much because it's not a script but they pay you yeah by the idea I, I definitely feel like that's a thing that sounds right okay well that makes sense then it gives me a little more context but roll this clip Pete then and what's uh let's hear what Garrett's got to say about yeah, monsters a little interview about the about the making of the movie cool never pictured making films the way we made monsters when I was a kid. I always pictured movies with dolly shots, with jibs and quite specific kind of camera moves. Okay, let's get the other side of them. All filmmaking is fake. So what, as a filmmaker, what you're always striving to do is embed it in as much reality as possible. What is that? And with monsters, you know, our goal was to create this world that felt very believable. And so with the digital technology becoming more and more powerful and, in a sense, more simple, you can approach a subject that is fantastic and shoot it in a way that it's all real, knowing that you can manipulate it in the computer to add all the elements you need. I've kind of learned to let random accidents come in to my work when I'm doing computer graphics and things. When things don't go your way, it can sometimes be a good thing because it gives a spin on everything that you were picturing and makes you then have to think of something brand new. And typically, the more that happens, the more different your final film will feel to the audience. We edited that film on Premiere and I did all the visual effects and After Effects. I think everybody that's ever made anything in digital cinema has used Photoshop. And so if you want to do them visual effects, it makes sense to use the tool that speaks perfectly to that, which is After Effects. And then if you're editing it, it makes sense to use the tool that speaks to After Effects, which is Premiere. And so, so for me, they're the three most important tools that I use. We've compartmentalized filmmaking into these different separate things. But when you sit in the cinema, they're not separate at all. It's one big experience. And so the ultimate version of filmmaking all those lines would be blurred, they wouldn't even exist. And so the ultimate software should blur those lines as well. It should be 
it's all one and the same. It's all happening simultaneously. And that's why I'm always a big fan of Adobe in that it all interlinks. What I like about Adobe is I can create a shot within a like half an hour or an hour, I can track something, stick something very crude in and do the bad version of the shot. And suddenly that'll tell me a hundred things that I would never have predicted about where I need to put my efforts. And I feel like if I worked the normal way around, Monsters would have probably taken me four or five years to finish the effects on. It's like a little time machine. I can actually go into the future, see the final shot, then get in my DeLorean, go back in time, you know, and you can kind of see a crude version of your film. Okay, so you guys are gonna come up this one, right? When we did Monsters, we wanted the post-production process to be as fluid a process as possible. So we didn't want to deal with proxy files or low-res files. We worked with the actual native, like, full cinema resolution uh, footage. To be honest, we pushed the technology to its limits on that film. But what I'm really pleased about is that I've been opening the same projects in Premiere 5.5, and the editing is so much more fluid now. Everything plays back, you know, exactly how it should. The improvement is pretty astounding compared to CS4, what you get in 5 and 5.5 now. I kind of wish we'd had this version when we were cutting the film. It would have saved us months. So the whole bunch of things in the new version of After Effects in 5.5, it's all gone 64-bit, which is great, because now it feels like you're only limited by the amount of RAM you've got in your computer, which is the way you want it. The ideal is you don't have any software, is you just imagine a film and it appears. I think that's CS7. <laughs> One of the great things about 5.5 is that it comes with warp stabilizer. What it essentially does is it takes handheld footage or footage that's just a bit wobbly or not as perfect as it should be. And through the magic of some math that I don't understand, you can press a button and it'll kind of stabilize the whole shot. It's this sort of stuff that democratizes filmmaking. It means it's not like, oh, you have to have you know, 100,000 pounds in order to shoot anything. You can, you can pick up a camera that costs next to nothing and, and still have it look like films that you're used to seeing that, that have way more resources than you'd ever have. I mean, it's quite frightening, really, how easy some of this stuff is, because I'm a bit worried about the competition now. <laughs> it's like, I better hurry up and make my second film before they realize it was just a button. It's never been a better time, I think, to be an aspiring filmmaker in that you've got this amazing distribution company called The Internet that you can go off, you can make a short with all these tools and you can edit them on a computer and create whatever effects you want, stick it on the internet, and tomorrow morning Hollywood can sit and watch it and they do. What's so reassuring about the state we're in at the moment is that you know, even if Hollywood don't come and they don't call and you don't get that job, it doesn't matter because you have the tools to make a great film right now. You can go make a movie without Hollywood. Cool. Thanks for that, Pete. Uh, that was really insightful. Um, but now I think we're running to the time where we, we usually end our episodes with a classic Defender Destroy for this film. And Pete, I'm going to let you... I'm going to give it to you first. Would you defend or destroy Gareth Edwards' 2010 Monsters? Well, taking that Monsters destroy things, 
I'm gonna say that I defended uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. like this wall, like the the Throw wall the between the two oh. two countries. Oh <laughs> man, getting deep, both physical and and uh, metaphorical. I like it. I like it, Pete. Made it up all on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, like I said, you know, there are parts where that disappointed me because I wanted. I don't know. I wanted a little more from the universe. I would like probably this probably never happened, but I wouldn't mind like a an actual sequel from Gareth from like developing it from like another point of view since we've discovered at least you told me that you know those two characters are gone. So I feel like you know yeah. the monsters <laughs> are still are still there in this universe as far as I'm concerned. So I feel like there could be mm. much more explored. I feel like definitely. I would. I would love to see an extension of this with Gareth Edwards. Uh, two new characters or another character, but the infected zone is still there. Um, but he's probably a little busy. Um, he'll be doing the next yeah, Star he, Wars film, and he, he yeah, he's probably not going to yeah. go back to it anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, especially when you have the power to uh, drop out of Godzilla too, and just be like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go do Star Wars." He won't be back there anytime soon. I hope he has some kind of influence on the Godzilla 2 movie. Dude, me too. Me too. But we'll see. He's he's big hot <laughs> shot now. Big hot shot Star Wars guy. Making all that Disney money. Oh, God, yeah. I bet he's, he's ringing it in. Reeling it in. Um, but for me, though, with this movie, I'm going to full-heartedly defend it. Uh I had no no idea what it was going into it. Peter introduced me to it. wasn't what I was even expecting, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, sure, it had its pitfalls. I think that ha- happens with a low budget, uh, the quick time they had to do it. A lot of it was improvised, but I would have liked to see maybe a little more time spent into it. But the concept of it worked for me. Um, the special effects were well well put together and well utilized for what he had for what he was working with and his laptop, I thought, um, better than some blockbuster monster films. And it was even, I mean, he made back a lot of money on this film, too, under 500000 to produce it, and he it, it was over four over four million uh, worldwide. That's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good turnaround. Not, yeah, exactly. You're, you've made your money back plus some. So completely defend. Two defends on... Monsters 2000. Two defense make a destroy. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> two, def- two rights don't make a wrong. Two defense make a destroy. But three lefts make a right. You can take that to the bank, everybody. <laughs> we got that from Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, uh, with that, though, I think that concludes this week's episode of It Records. We'll be back in two weeks again with our next episode. Um, in the meantime, everybody, look for us on Twitter and, and Facebook. Keep talking on our forums and discussions. Let us know what you're thinking. We'd love to hear. Um, it records podcast.com. You can look, check out our website. And uh, we'll have our blogs going continually so you, you know it's on our minds at all times. Uh, even though we know we can't be, we're not riveting all the time. We try. We try our best. But keep looking out for us. And next, and as always, though. I remain in the shadows. Thanks, Biff. Uh, you know, that, that's enough for me. 
This is Peter Hansen. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>